0: I hope that this morning uh, you've really felt the sense of the presence of God with us and and had a great time of worship and that you've really felt like, you know, you were there with the spirit of God. And I'm excited about sharing with you this morning because for me, this is kind of a new chapter, believe it or not. You know, people this old can have a couple of new chapters left. Because while you see, this is not my first time of preaching here at at Living Spring, it is the first time, after 20 years of being with the Church of the Nazarene, this is my first time of being able to preach as a member of the Southern California Conference of the Free Methodist Church, and uh, being part of the pastoral staffing at Living Spring here. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about it. It's something new and different. It's a change for me, somewhat. And which brings me to the first question that I have for you guys today. And this question comes about because I believe that most of us fall into one of two categories. You either have those people that love change, that look forward to it, or, or, or find it exciting. If you're one of those people, raise your hand. Okay, there was a few that did it. Then there's the others that just say, you know, I'd rather have a root canal than have a change. Yeah. <laughs> They, they can't stand change. In fact, when they hear that there's going to be any type of change, they go into a sense of panic. Is there anybody here that that's like that? I saw my wife did that. She, she raised her hand. And I gotta admit, I was the other one on uh, the first one because the, the truth is, Tina and I are the poster children for these two categories. Okay. You know, we we've had a wonderful 12 years of marriage together. In fact. Uh, Just last month, we celebrated 12 years, and those that had the lower number in the pool, they lost out. But if you were to go up to Tina and have her away from me and others and ask her to sum up what her life has been like since having me as her husband, she would say this. Keith has totally changed and messed up my life. (laughs) So glad that that was not part of our vows. But here's why it happened. You know, you, you got to go back in history, back to September of 2000, actually, when I and my then-wife, Debbie, and our son, Daniel, arrived at Crescent Avenue Family Ministries, which was in Buena Park, and I was there as their new associate pastor. And one of the first persons that we met there was this lady named Tina Dickinson, who, who was in charge of their children's ministry, or had been, she was transitioning out, but... For many years, and she'd been very busy, very active, and she'd been one of those behind-the-scenes type of people that you know every type of church needs to have. You know, we we, we've got them here, and it's just the type of people that you can always count on. They're always there, and you just love them. So prior coming to me coming to Crescent Avenue, during my adult childhood, excuse me, not childhood, my adult Christian life, I had attended. There was actually a Lakewood. Free Methodist Church. Then I'd been at the Anaheim Free Methodist Church for a few months. Then back to Lakewood. Up to Downey Free Methodist. Then I made the switch to the Nazarene Church and I'm over at the Long Beach First Church in Nazarene. Tina Dickinson, up to the year 2000, had attended Crescent Avenue Family Ministries since she was four years old. I won't tell you how many years that was. Cause I, I want to make it to 13 years of marriage. <laughs> so that's church, church experience. Work experience prior to coming to, to Craftsman Avenue for me, since becoming an adult, getting you know a real job, not just you know McDonald's type thing. I'd worked at Bellflower Music. Then I was manager at Dale's Music in Los Alamitos. Back over to Bellflower Music. Went to Maxway Music, where I was a manager, then partner, then ended up buying the store out. When we closed that store down, I went to work for a company called Egghead Software, and I was an assistant manager in Cerritos. Went to San Pedro as manager, and apparently I must have met your pastor there because he used to buy stuff there. Then went to Lawndale, back to Cerritos as manager. Long Beach, Orange, then Irvine. After six years with that company, I went to a wholesale company, music wholesale company that I had dealt with with my store called Command Music. Prior to 2000, because that's kind of like that point. Tina's post college, post getting out of you know the summer jobs was the city of Long Beach. She retired from there after 32 years. (laughs) So as as you're starting to get the sense of why Tina says, you know, Keith has totally messed up and changed my life, I'm very comfortable with change. You know, I've had enough of that happen. But Tina, not so much. Now, since we've just been married these past 12 years, wonderful years, she and I have been at Monterey Park Church of the Nazarene, Back to Crescent Avenue as uh, interim pastor, then senior pastor, Huntington Beach Church in Nazarene, and now here at Living Spring. You should be looking at Tina. She's just <laughs> prior to this guy showing up in 2000. Her life was just so nice and steady and predictable. Things changed, especially they changed in 2006 when we got married. As I said, I'm very comfortable with change, but Tina, not so much. So, you know, there's nothing else today I hope you've learned. Pray for Tina. <laughs> pray for Tina. Well, as we mentioned, we're in the series that's called Worry Versus Wisdom. And this series, as we've been going through it, we've been examining the things that, that cause people lots of worry, lots of unnecessary fear. And we've been learning that God does not want us to live lives full of fear. Amen? Thank you. You know, John has, you know, kiddingly said that, you know, part of what they teach angels is, the first thing they do when they introduce you is say, fear not. So, you know, God doesn't want us to live a life full of fear. So the question is, how does God deal with all those fears that are around us? And the answer comes through the love that he has for us. We sang about that during that first song. The love that God has for us. But you know, listen to what what John, one of the um, apostles, and, and this guy, you know, he lived for three years with Jesus, day in and day out. You know, this is what he said in one of his letters. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Because God loves us so much, we don't have to fear things. We don't have to worry about them. Well, today as we're talking about this whole understanding of worry versus wisdom and the things that cause worry or fear in our lives, I want us actually to start with a story from the Bible that, that Rihanna told us uh, a couple of weeks ago when she was up here preaching. And it's the story of Hagar, who was a servant, or, you know, the Bible actually calls her the, uh, the handmaiden of a lady named Sarah. And, and Sarah was married to this man named Abraham. And Abraham is the one that's credited with being the, the founder of the people of Israelite, of Israel, the Israelites, But one of the biggest worries or fears within the lives of uh, Abraham and Sarah was the fact that they were childless. And culturally during that time, being childless was, was, was a big problem. Not only did you not have people growing up that would be able to take care of you in your old age, help to work the farm or the land or whatever you had there, but it was actually believed back then that if you were unable to have children you were thought of as being kind of cursed by God. They believed that children were a blessing from God. So parents, remember that. Especially as they're going through the terrible twos and the teenager years and all that. You know, look at them and go, you are a blessing. I'm hearing all the parents chuckle. So not only did Abraham and Sarah believe that, that God was angry with them and that he had put a curse on them, But Abraham had had this encounter with God, and God had made a a big promise to him and said to him that, you know, one day I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And it's going to come from your family. And this this nation is going to be so great that it's actually going to be the nation that blesses all the other nations. And now Abraham and Sarah knew that, that if God promised something, it was going to come about. God was faithful in his promises. But here they were, well advanced in age, well beyond the age of childbearing, but they still had that promise that a great nation was going to come from their seed. Well, Sarah came up with an idea of how to help out God. Anyone here ever tried to help out God at times? And uh, how did those things work out? Not too well, not too well. But she came up with this great idea. I'm going to give you Hagar, my handmaiden. Have you spend the night with her, a few nights, whatever it may take. Hopefully she'll become pregnant. She'll have a child. And then we will take on that child. And we're going to raise it up and raise it as our own. Well, you can imagine the problems that this would happen. That would come about from this. And if you go back to Genesis chapter sixteen, you can read about it. But her plan starts to go come out. She has the child. And nothing but trouble wakes up. And here's the problem, you know, when you try to interrupt, when you try to think that you're going to be helping God, you just get in the way. When you worry that God needs your help, you, you, you cause more problems. Well, because of all these problems, Hagar says, you know, I'm out of here. I I, I can't take it anymore. So So she runs away, and she's out in the desert. She's hiding. She's resting. And this angel of the Lord finds her. And as this angel is comforting her, he asks this wonderful question. And I believe that's a question that many of us wrestle with today. And the question is, Hagar, Slave Sarai, which is what Sarah's name was previous, where have you come from, and where are you going? I think there's another way that you can put this. Hagar, what is your past? What is your future? And that was pretty much what Rihanna was talking about when she was preaching that Sunday. And when she shared with us, she focused on the, the first part of that question, our past. And she spoke about how our fears from our past can be our biggest worries. You know, many people are convinced that our past has determined our future, or even worse, that our past is guaranteed that we will have no future, or at least a future that we can look forward to or be excited about. But one of the things that Rihanna helped us understand is that our past does not condemn us. Our, our past does not define who we really are. And I hope that's one of the things that you, that you learned today, that, you know, if you've had a past that was not very positive, our past do not mean that, that our life game is over, that we have no hope for a, a better or an exciting future. Because here's the good news that we've learned, from, not only through our study of the Bible, but what Rihanna was teaching us was that with Christ... We have a new and fresh life. Amen? We have a new and fresh life. You know, I guess you could say that, that Jesus wants us to realize that we're, we're born again. That's where that part of that phrase comes from. You get this whole new, fresh start. And I like the way the Apostle Paul puts it. In the second letter of the Corinthians, he says, If anyone, notice that anyone, not a select few, not those that now start to get it right. But if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. When you have Jesus Christ in your life, your past is no longer something you have to worry about. Jesus has taken care of all the worries that you can have regarding your past. Isn't that great news? Yes. I mean, that's something that you should be excited about. Because with Jesus, the past is just that. It's in the past. One of the promises, you know, God makes is, you know, when you're with me, your sins are as far from me as the east is from the west. So you have a whole new life to look forward to. But here's what we're kind of focusing on today. What about those people who are fearful of the future? What is it about the future about where you are going that causes people to worry, to be afraid. And like I said, that's, that's what I want us to, to focus on today. I want us to, to take a look at. Because there are many reasons people are worried about the future or about where the future may take them. For some, it may be the fear of doing something different than they were comfortable with. You know, all the years that I was preaching... You have this little thing that advanced the slides that way. You didn't have to think about pushing that. Something different. You know, a very fearful statement for some people is, I've never done that before. Anyone here know somebody that says that? Okay, Because I know none of us really wrestle with that, so it's got to be someone else that we know, right? Because we always like new things here, right? But, you know, there's a sense of comfort in routines for some people because r- routines provide a sense of security. It's, it's, it's almost like a sense of safety. It, a routine becomes kind of like a safety blanket, you know, like little kids hold on to. Have you ever noticed that, when, especially when you have little children, when they become stressed out, they like to hold on to something that they're very comfortable to, that they know that they can trust on? Well, for others, it might be the fear or worry of the unknown. Anyone here afraid of that? You know, for some people, they would rather deal with what they know, even if that known is harmful or destructive. They would rather deal with that rather than something new and unknown. At least I know how to play the game with the known. At least I know how to do the workarounds. At least I know how to bluff, adjust, whatever it might be. And, you know, that is why some people continue in unhealthy practices or stay in unhealthy relationships because at least it's known and the greater fear for them is that unknown well some people are worried about their future because what if i fail what if i try something new what if i go out and try something different that i've never done before and I fail. But just, you know, the, the fear of failure causes this, this gigantic wall to kind of pop up in front of some people and it prevents them from moving forward. The fear of failure can cause a type of paralysis within people. You know, people have asked me, you know, why am I willing to try new things and give something new a shot? And you know what my response has been? I've made a fool of myself enough time. What's one more? (laughs) What's it going to hurt? I've already... But, you know, this fear of failure can become such a restriction for some people that they don't want to try anything new. And there are many more reasons why people are worried about the future, but I believe that these fears, these worries can be summed up in one word. I believe that word is trust. <clears throat> that word is trust. It's because of trust that has been damaged in the past, people are afraid to trust again in the future. This broken trust may have occurred with a friend, a coworker, a family member, an organization, a religion, you name it. You know, for two years, I led divorce support groups at our previous church. And the common story I heard from everyone that participated in our groups was, the biggest pain I'm feeling is the broken trust from my spouse. I never want a relationship again because of this pain. We probably ran 20 groups through there, anywhere from five to a dozen people, and everyone said the same thing. Fortunately, for most, that pain was slowly able to heal. They were able to work through it, and you know, that's one of the things that's great about some of these divorce support groups. They help you through those pains that can be frightening and, and restrictive for you. But you know, honestly, there was a few that would rather stay with the pain than, than trust in the future. For some people, the fear of trust is directed toward themselves, maybe because of their own past failures or mistakes or bad choices or because of actions from other people. That sense of not trusting will cause you to fear what's ahead of you. So how do we overcome this worry? You go to the word of God. And the the following wisdom that we gain, because, you know, it's worry versus wisdom. So the, the following wisdom that we gain comes from the word of God. It's in the Old Testament. You know, it's in the book of Proverbs, which is this book of wise sayings and teachings. And it's within there that we read, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And here's the key part. And lean not... On your own understanding, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Because here's the truth: whether it was intentional or not, there will be times when a person will let you down. They'll disappoint you, maybe even break their trust. Because that is what sin causes in our world. That is what the serpent did with Eve. And here's even a more frightful truth. That person you might not be able to trust might be you. Because again, you may have been the one that let yourself down. You may have been the one that disappointed you. But what the writer of Proverbs is telling us is that first of all, you know, we should never make trust in anyone, including ourselves, our primary basis, you know, the, the foundation for we how we're going to live our lives. Lean not on your own understanding. But the what the writer tells us is to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Why is he so trustworthy? Because he is the only one who is proven to be fully trustworthy. Amen? Because listen to this great promise from the Bible that the Lord made to Joshua. And it was just before he was going to take over the nation of Israel and lead them into their promised land. And, you know, and I believe this promise comes to us still today. You know, the Lord says to Joshua, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Can you say that with me? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, that promise is what gave me the courage and the peace to face the many changes that I faced during my time with Jesus. And I say that because there was a time when Christ was not a part of my life, and I was trusting just on me, and it was not always so great. But whenever I remembered that promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I got through things that I didn't think that I could handle, including the death of my wife Debbie, That is what got me through it. It's what allowed me to trust God when I sensed that he was telling me to close down that business that I had worked so hard for, that I thought that that was what was going to be the drive of my life. It was a promise that I clung to so many times in my life, and it's helped ease the fears that I faced. And it can happen for you too. Well, as we get ready to wrap up today's worship time, I want to quickly share with you two other places in the Bible that have provided me comfort when I have started to worry about the future. The first is found in uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Wow. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, I know when he wrote this he was writing it for the nation of Israel and some theologians say that it was only limited to that. But I believe God feels that way about all of us. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And for me that gives me great comfort to know that I'm just not trying to exist within my life. That I'm just trying to, to get by trying to uh, make it through things. But actually, it gives me more than comfort because it promises, it says, I have hope. Do you know many people that are living their lives without hope? And it says, I have a future. And then finally, listen to what Jesus himself says about trusting God. And when you think about it, Jesus put a lot of trust in God. I think it was the trust that he had in his father that allowed him to to leave heaven and come to this earth. to, To put up with us for 33 years. And the trust that he had in his father is what led him to go to the cross. And it says, for the joy before him. It all had to do with that trust. But Jesus says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. But if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So, where have you come from? Where are you going? Are you so fearful of your past that you are afraid to believe that there is a possibility for a future? No, with God, all things are possible. And even though awful things may have happened in the past, God wants you to have nothing but the best. He wants the best for you. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to win the lottery It doesn't mean you will be driving that new Porsche every year. I know Jonathan's going, darn. (laughs) But the thing is, you can trust God to know what's best for you, just as I know that God knows what's best for me. Are you worried or fearful of the future, especially if that means having to give up control and ultimately trusting God? Who better to trust than the one who will never abandon you, who will never stop loving you, and who has a plan for you? Well, as the praise praise team comes back up, um, this is our time when we get to spend a little time with God. Maybe you need to talk to him about something from your past that you are still wrestling with. Or a hurt that is causing you not to trust someone. Maybe God needs to remind you that you are forgiven and he will never bring that issue up again. Or maybe you're worried about something that you can sense is coming up in your near future, a decision that needs to be made, uh, an opportunity that's before you, a person maybe that you need to talk to. Start talking, you, you know, talk with God about this and, and ask him to, to send his Holy Spirit to go ahead of you and to begin working in the area that's going to be involved. You know, if you send out the Holy Spirit, it'll, it'll begin paving the way. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be responsive to it. But God will do his work before you have to do your work. You know, this is also our time to for you to finish filling out your connection card. Maybe there's something that was brought up today that you would like to have the praise team or the uh, excuse me, the, the, the prayer team or the, the pastors pray about. You can put it down there. One thing I'd encourage you if there's something that you're excited about, there's been an answer to prayer, put that down too. I know they, they love hearing how God has answered prayers in your lives. This is your week to, uh, to give of your tithes and offerings. This is our time we'll collect that. We have a little box in the back. And so as you make your way out, uh, just pop those in there. But as I said, this is our time to, uh, to go to the Lord and say, Lord, you put something on my heart. And here it is. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning and for speaking with us. And so, Father, as we continue this time of within worship and with just listening to you, Father, we ask for your anointing upon it. It's in your name that we trust. Amen.